Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined by, as always, Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? I'm having a great week, dude. Yeah? <laughs> Between the Celtics win and Oklahoma State football. I know it's not a football pod, but OSU football, it's been a good last couple days. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, like, you know, the f- Thunder finally got their first win tonight. Against uh, Phoenix. Against Phoenix. Still recording counts. on Sunday. So... I mean, they beat, they beat the Mavericks. That's what counts, right? So we're going to do like this. Oh, well, Phoenix beat the Mavs, so automatically the Thunder are better than, than the Mavs. But... I don't know record, who the Thunder are The record shows something else. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to figure that out as the season comes along. Um... But yeah, that's that's been fun. Yeah, this weekend has been interesting for sports. Lots of stuff going on. Good sports weekend. Lots of stuff going on. Good, really good sport. World Series, basketball, yeah. NBA is starting to get into the swing of it. Um, so before we get into the show, just some reminders. Please follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. You'll get uh, some fun tweets there. Some fun tweets. Yes. Some hot takes and some cold ones. Um... And uh, also find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Um, subscribe and rate, leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. Um, we've all we've gotten some feedback from some of you, so thank you so much. Um, I know there's been an issue with the last couple episodes in terms of skipping. Hopefully that is fixed with this episode. But if it's not, please let us know because we will continue to work through these technical issues. Um, Let's get into, like, quick recap of an episode three. What did we talk about, Matt? So, in terms of NBA news, we had the Rondo-CP3 fight. Uh, We talked about resting players, Jimmy Butler, Gordon Hayward, uh, Kawhi. Uh, We had some overreactions Mm. in the Eastern Conference. Um, Well, no, we covered the West on the overreactions, too. Um, Big overreactions there. Probably need to tone it down a little, but... That's what, that's what we're here for. Um, best waste, best and worst case scenarios, yikes, for the Eastern Conference. And then we talked about that Thunder Celtics game that we got to go to here in Oklahoma City. And I was right. Yeah. Celtics won. Celtics won. Um, um, so that was week three or episode three of this pod. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that because uh, we promised we promised to give our impressions on the Celtics Thunder um game we went to what i mean what did you what did you see out of what did you see out of both teams i mean both were not it was a sloppy game yeah it was pretty ugly um first and foremost jason tatum was the best player on the floor that was kind of evident from the beginning even when Oklahoma City was building a pretty good lead in the first and second quarter. It was very clear who the best player was. And as long as Boston was feeding Tatum, that was really their only offense. And Oklahoma City's offense wasn't good, but it was just not as terrible to start. And uh, after that, then it took a huge second-half surge led by Tatum 
Al Horford and Mook. Oh my gosh. Marcus Morris. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone around you was so tired of you. Like, people were leaving. I'm 90% sure because you were yelling for Mook to get more touches. I was, and uh, they kept feeding him, and he kept putting the ball in the bucket. They gave him the shot on the last possession. They did. Like, the people, like, the question of who gets the shot, you think Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rogier, even, or Al Horford? No. Nope. We're going to go to. Marcus, Marcus Morris, and he, of all people. The thing is, last year against the Thunder, he hit that same game-winning three-pointer. It's just on the right wing, whereas the other day it was on the left wing. He's a Thunder killer, and uh, y'all had no answers for Marcus Morris putting up 21 points off the bench. It was, it was like I. I think I told you at halftime, like we're we're going to the concession or something, and yeah, uh, I was like. I have no confidence in this. Even game. though you had a 16-point lead at halftime. Yeah, because like that that 34 to 50 halftime score is so misleading because it wasn't anything the Thunder had done defensively to really force Boston to bad shots or taking like going deep into the shot clock. Boston was getting the looks they wanted; they were just missing. Yeah, and normally that overcorrects at some point during the game, and it very much did so in that third quarter where they were shooting like something like eight for twelve from three in the, that quarter after they made. No three pointers in the first half. Big Al leading the charge with three straight threes on yeah. like three straight possessions. It was ridiculous, and it's like the defender just was never there. He, Al it was pick and pop. Yeah. Like it was there all night, and you were calling for him to shoot it. it. He would just hold it. Well, you start out with that death lineup of Hayward, Tatum, Brown, Kyrie, and Horford. That's always how it goes. It's and Horford. So he's just always looking to pass and get everyone else involved. And when everyone else wasn't hitting, finally in that third quarter, he's like, fine, I'll do it myself. And he was draining it. It felt like every single time it was coming off his hand, the ball was going in. It looks so good. I I, kind of want to ask you a question about that because after processing this game a little bit, it seemed like... Boston was maybe overpassing in that first half a little bit. Like, Horford would get looks where he, I feel like, would, let's say on the Hawks, would feel comfortable taking yeah. that three. But he knows because he has all like four all-stars essentially yeah. around him. Like, I have to get this ball out of my hands to someone else. Well, even when some of the starters are out, it's still Terry Rozier or it's still Mook. Mm-hmm. You still have other guys like Marcus Smart who just kind of command the ball still. So, yeah, he is a little too passive at times. But like in that second half where we saw in the playoffs last year, when it really comes down to it, if Brad Stevens is just says, like, you have to be the one to take this shot, or Kyrie comes up to him like he did in this game, says, we got to be the ones that set the tone. We got to you know, take the ball out of these other people's hands, then he can do it. I don't think that's the problem. I mean, we're paying him like he should be able to. And he shows that, you know, when you do give him the ball and give him the looks, he'll take it and he will put the ball in the bucket. I'm confident now Horford has a score. It's just how confident is he in taking the ball out of Tatum and Brown and Hayward and Kyrie and Scary Terry's hands to take it himself. Yeah. And it seems like really someone has to be, you know, stop the game and tell out, like, you got to be the one now. You got to be. Which I can appreciate the unselfishness of always trying to, like, find the next guy or always find, like, the more open man. But on some level, if you're wide open, just take the shot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, going back to Tatum, we touched on it a second ago, but 
Man, that, this guy has everything. Like he has, he has the pull up. He has the long range two, which is inefficient, but whatever. Like he it has goes it, in. It goes in. He has he has the three ball. He has the dribble moves. He has. He can get to the rim. He has he the plays defense, defense. He has the defensive ability to do whatever you need him to do. It, it's just. Like you said, he was the best player on the floor in with a, an MVP and like all stars all around yeah. him, which is crazy to say in a second year. And, and like he in that first quarter, going in the second quarter, just took over the game for Boston. He did, and he I think he finished with thirteen in the first half, and it was really him that kept them in the game. Yeah. Outside of Jason Tatum, there was no flow in that offense. It was solely just him. I think. The dunk on PG's head. Oh my gosh! Really that helped him. out. Yeah, he did. I think that really helped out this team. Kind of starting to like, no, we gotta get it together a little more. But also, told that team, feed Jason Tatum. He yeah. wasn't scared of Paul George. Right. He wasn't scared of Russell Westbrook, offensively or defensively. He was taking it whomever Oklahoma City put on him, and really just took. And he work. also didn't back down defensively. Like. Um, I think we we're talking after the car. We actually recorded the segment once already, but the audio sucked. So my bad. <laughs> uh, it's all good. Uh, but you you had pointed out that in the fourth quarter they left him on Westbrook or PG. Like yeah. they didn't. They, Stevens wasn't afraid no. to hide him on you know like a Ferguson or, or Ferguson. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, I love that. Marcus Smart would take Westbrook. Tatum would take Paul George. Oklahoma City loves to have those guys screen for each other and force a switch. Well, if Tatum got switched onto Russell Westbrook, he'd, he did fine. Westbrook was like 0 for 7 in the fourth quarter. Yeah. PG was 0 for 2 in the fourth quarter. I mean, between Smart and Tatum, they were pretty much the two defenders the entire quarter on those two guys. Yeah. Did a fantastic job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was really impressed with the way Smart didn't really give up ground to bigger guys like PG. I think PG had a couple turnovers against him mm-hmm. and just like when he was aggressive against him just wasn't like trying to post him up. Couldn't couldn't really get to a spot. Nah. Putting up bad shots late in the shot clock and Smart was right there. I was just really impressed like with the way seeing him play in college and seeing him play now is like two different players. No, he's really refined it and before he could just get away with being so ridiculously strong yeah. but still playing the guard position that he just kind of made other dudes look inferior but now it's like he's taken some of the best NBA players in the world some of the most athletic NBA players in the world and really just locking it down. Yeah. It's really impressive to see and that's why he got paid the contract he got paid over the offseason yeah he can really like it i think it's thrown around quite a bit he can defend all five positions i think smart could defend one through four in this nba oh for sure and if your fives are six foot eight Draymond green yeah i think i mean he legitimately could go one five but even a more standard one four Defensive versatility, it's very much a possibility for Marcus Smart pretty consistently with just about any team out there. Yeah, that switchability is makes him so valuable late in games and what gets him fourth quarter minutes. Yeah. Because with a depth chart of Irving, Rogier, and and above him, yeah. like he, he really does have to be elite defensively. Because he took a couple shots. I was like, okay, I'm fine with you taking that shot. Yeah, with as like a, as Irving a and Rogier and T- Tatum on the floor is like Okay, yeah, that's that's I'm fine with that. Yeah, and he has to take the shot. You have to like 
at least force right. the defense to look over at you every now and again. So I totally got it. But yeah, that's not what we're paying him for. That's not his game. That was another interesting thing that Stevens put the ball in his hand there to get the ball to make yeah. the option there. Yeah, late in the game on an inbounds over on the right sideline. Yeah, we gave the ball to Smart, and he just kind of caught it in the corner with a defender kind of not really paying attention, to be honest. But I don't blame him with whoever else was out on right. the floor with him. And Smart just went to the basket and was either going to get a bucket or was going to kick it out to someone who was open because their help was so Had to late. rotate, yeah. Yeah, and so he found... I think he found Al, and then Al swung it over to Mook, wide open. Three. Hit the three to, to take the lead, and that's how the essentially game essentially ended the game. it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I love that Marcus Smart is smart enough to make that play, but I also love that Brad Stevens trusted him enough in that second half to make the play. Yeah. It was a fun game to be, be at. It, it was a fun atmosphere. Um, Oklahoma City crowds are always fun. And there were there was good showing from Boston fans. I tell you, they travel real yeah. well. I know that. Like, I know I live around here in Oklahoma. And so it's odd to see how many Boston fans will come to games because you don't see them just around town. Right. But I've been to two Thunder Celtic games here in Oklahoma, and both times, like, there's a pretty good Boston crowd. Even started a uh, Let's Go Celtics chant there at the end of the game. That was embarrassing. That's not good. Uh, But, yeah, a lot of fun. I'll give shout-out to Oklahoma City. That was a good atmosphere. I really appreciated that. And, I mean, it was a good game, too, which, at the end of the day, I'm here for competitive basketball as much as anything. Yeah, it was fun. It was weird. It was it was ugly, and then it turned like uh, I think Boston had forty points in that third quarter. Yeah, they did. Which was um, just painful. You had thirty four in the first half, and then forty in the third quarter. Like that, that's ridiculous. That's the weird thing about this Boston team is that they're they're so good. They can be so good offensively yeah. that you can get those forty point quarters, and it doesn't seem like much. No, it, it didn't feel like they put up 40. Like, you knew they were scoring, but it didn't feel like they had put up 40 points. But they very easily did. And even 27 then in the fourth quarter, like, that's still a really great number, yep. too. So if that first half just wasn't quite as dismal, if they were above 31% shooting, which is what they were at at halftime, or if they knocked down just maybe two three-pointers, this could have been an absolute blowout. By Boston. Now, maybe that means Oklahoma City's trying a little bit harder or comes out with a little more urgency in the second half. But at the same time, when Boston is flowing and playing the way they should be playing, they showed you in that second half why they are considered one of the elite teams in the NBA this year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into this week's topics as we... um, Kind of get into some NBA news today. Breaking news today. Broken by, I don't know, NBA reporting gods, Sham Sham and Woj. Yeah. Uh, Tyron Lue getting fired after a 6-0 start? Like, what? 0-6 start. Oh, sorry. 0-6, not 6-0. Uh, I would have been much more shocked if that was right, the case. Right, right. Um, so let's talk about this a little bit. Like, what... what what was your first reaction after this? I wasn't surprised at all when that came across my phone. I was just like, oh, yeah. But then I had to stop and think, like, wait, we're only in game six yeah. of this uh, season. Kind of early, but, I mean, Earl Watson was fired after, like, three games last year with Phoenix. So, I mean, I guess it, he made it farther than that. But I'm just – I was – 
kind of confused as to why, and I'm always confused when you fire a coach in the first 10 games, why did you start the year with him? Yeah. Like, in complete honesty. Because you're going to finish the year as an, with an interim now. Yeah. Well, maybe. Apparently, Larry Drew, who they want to take over, isn't just going with this interim role. He wants, like, a contract as the head coach. So he's like, yeah, I'll do the interim for this year, but, like, I want, like, at least another year on this contract if you want me to do this. And so it's like, what? <laughs> like, did <laughs> Cleveland, like, not see this coming? Did Cleveland never talk about, like, this situation? Did you talk to Larry Drew before the season about, like, hey, if this comes up, you're the dude? Like, I feel like you have to have these conversations, and very apparently they did not have these conversations because this is very quickly becoming a dumpster fire here in Cleveland. Well, it's confusing to me because, like, you lose the best player in the world. You lose the best player your franchise has ever had. Yeah. What are your expectations like what do you expect are you expecting to get back to the playoffs are you expecting to compete for the east because i feel like the expectations were that they from from what tristan thompson had said before the season i think he had a quote that said something along the lines of like the east comes through cleveland still when everyone else around the nba nba clearly knows that that's not the case not at all and I, I'm just I'm just confused. Like, what internally were, were the expectations? Because I, I didn't see Cleveland winning more than 20 games. Yeah, I mean... Like, that kind of seems, like, fitting for this roster. Like, you paid Kevin Love, who's kind of aging. You have Tristan Thompson on a big contract. You have J.R. Smith on a big contract. Kyle you, Korver's old. You just drafted Colin Sexton, and rookie point guards don't really work out well in the NBA in their first year. And um, they just upped, re-upped... Um, Larry Nance. Larry Nance, who's, like, I like Larry Nance. He seems like a good player, but he's very, like... Limited. He's a he's a classic role player, yeah. which is fine. That's great. But you need those guys. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I feel like they want to make the playoffs. Like the organization wants to make the playoffs, to which pro- I get. I feel like Dan Gilbert wants to make the playoffs to prove to, to everyone else that we don't just need LeBron. And if that's your expectation, then I get why you did what you did, and maybe I. I guess you thought Tyron Lue was the correct guy for the job, but having that little confidence in someone that after six games, you're just done with them, I just really can't get on board with that. Yeah. And this is going back to like when LeBron left the first time. Like Clearly, they don't know what they're doing as a franchise whenever you don't have LeBron, which that's a big difference is having the greatest player in the world and maybe ever versus not. Like I get that. But you can't just have this level of dumpster fire this quickly. Right. And and maybe, maybe, like, and this goes back to to your point earlier of if you knew you were going toward a rebuild, then why? Then why keep Tyron Because there's other good coaches in the league who have been through a rebuild, who are willing to rebuild, um, that you could go get. And other GMs who have been through that and can do that as well. It just doesn't feel... It feels directionless, I guess. Like you're saying. Like you're saying. And so, uh, Ryan Russillo, who... Big NBA guy. He said that 
one of his sources said this was really a done deal after the second game of the year. That they were done a long time ago, but they gave him a few more chances when they played the Hawks, the Nets, the Pistons, and the Pacers. And then they were like, oh, yeah, let's just go ahead and can it now. It's like, so wait, you wanted to do this four games ago after you played the Raptors and the Timberwolves? If that's true, like, one, those first two games are not great, like, judges for what this Cleveland team was going to be, first of all. Okay, you, you're upset against that you lost against Atlanta and Brooklyn and Detroit. Indiana's kind of an understandable one. I get that you're upset, but was like was this the step? Was there no other steps you could have done besides this? And I saw this really funny comparison for this whole thing. So this firing is like firing the head chef at Applebee's because they served Applebee's food. Like, what did you want Tyron Lou to do with this roster? It's such a good it's such a good comparison. Uh, okay, straight up we're not going to get an Applebee's sponsorship, so I'm cool saying this. Applebee's food is crap. <laughs> and so you take the head chef there and you fire him for serving crappy food. It's not the chef, it's the food. Right. And so it's not the coach. It's the team, it's the management. It's I mean, I'm not saying Tyron Lou is a great coach. I'm I mean, he's a good one. Yeah. I think I think he's at the very least a competent coach, but it is not his fault no. that this team started off 0 and 6. No. Like the you, roster is just so old. Like, I think the average age is like 27 and a half or something like that. Something around there. I wouldn't be surprised if it's even a little higher yeah. than that. Yeah, and, and, and it just, like, the sum of the pieces feel so, like, they should have just, in the offseason, just blew it up. They should have. Like, and- just accumulate picks, build for the future. You have Colin Sexton, who we talked about last week. We like. Uh, we like. Build around him. Find some other pieces to go with him. Draft. Draft well, which this team... Doesn't has, really do. Hasn't... I mean, they draft Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. They kind of got lucky with those picks because they were kind of obvious. They were number one picks, yeah, in a draft where those were the dudes. Yeah. Um, but then otherwise, like, you drafted Wiggins and then traded him for Kevin Love. You drafted Anthony Bennett. That worked out really yikes. well. Yeah, so... Not really trusting their track record there. And maybe they recognize that, like, we can't build assets. We got to just win now. I could understand that. I could understand if it was the different way of, you know what? No, we need to be playing our younger pieces. Like, quit starting George Hill. Start putting in Colin Sexton more. Let's start putting in Larry Nance more so than Tristan Thompson. Like, if you were wanting that to be the direction, like, I could also understand your frustration. But to me, none of this justifies firing your head coach after six games. No. And do you think Larry Drew or whoever you apparently get to be the interim is going to make the situation better? No. Like, did you not just watch Phoenix last year? Did you not just watch Milwaukee last year? Like, you don't have a Giannis on your team. Therefore, you're going to be more like Phoenix, which was in the running for the number one pick. You were already in the running for the number one pick with Tyron Lue. And now you got to pay Tyron Lue almost $15 million because that's what he had left on his contract. Not to be your coach. Not to be your coach. Was that worth it? I don't think so, but I'm not Dan Gilbert. So he's going to do whatever he feels like. I'm just, like, I I tweeted out, like, uh, on on the podcast at NBA Couch GM Pod um, that 
I just quote tweeted and said, uh, what? Like, what? What? I'm just so, I'm baffled. I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sad for Tyron Lue because he did get them to three, three straight, three straight finals, including a chip where Boston essentially had them in, in a bad spot last year. He, Brad Stevens, better coach. He has the better roster. They just happen to have the better player in Cleveland. Yeah. And they found, and very much LeBron just found a way to do it. And Tyron Lue somehow put the rest of those whatever pieces in a decent enough position to win, like, the series, which they really shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. It, it, they pushed it. They got it to Game 7 and ended up winning, which is, pro- I mean, the coaching has to do with some of that. Yeah, I would I mean, say they, so. They also beat, he also helped. I mean, like, I don't know how this a lot probably on LeBron, but, like, Tyron Lue also helped get them back from a 3-1 lead and beat Golden State. They, yeah, like, the, he has one to of the best regular se- The best regular season team ever in terms of wins. And you were rolling out Delhi with LeBron as, like, your 1-2 combo for those Oof. games. And, like, Tristan Thompson was, like, maybe your second or third best player. Like, that was a weak team. That I have no idea how they won those games. Like, I don't still either. don't know. I don't know either. Like you can just say LeBron, but like you got to give Lou some credit yeah. for that for working with what he had. What I'm concerned with now, long term for Cleveland, is like a what do you do now? Is like if you're not choosing to at least trade some of these pieces, you're like financially strapped because. In That's terms another of thing. Next year's contracts, the 2019-2020 season. So you had you have Rodney Hood on a one-year deal this year, so he'll come off the books. Sam Decker's on his last year of his deal. Channing Fry is on a one-year deal. David Nawab is on a one-year deal. Very literally, everyone else on that roster is signed through at least 2019-2020. So you have Kevin Love, who you just extended. You have George Hill for $18 million next year. Ooh. Tristan Thompson for 18 and a half next year. J.R. Smith for 15 and a half Oh, it gets worse! <laughs> Jordan Clarkson for 13 and a half Oh, it gets year. even worse! <laughs> like, what are you doing with these contracts? Do you just let them expire at the end of the 2019-2020 season? Except Kevin Love, because he has the extension. Or... Like, do you try and get off of them? My I would problem imagine, is, I would imagine you would have to trade them somehow. But, but like, are they like contracts that can get you assets at this point, or is it like you kind of gotta package them in a pit just to get off of them? Because they're like they're players that like I'm not sure if any of these players truly help a championship. Team. And the issue is what the cap's going from about 101 to 116 next year. It's supposed to steadily jump. We'll see if it goes to 109 or whatever it jumps so to. So whatever it jumps to, there's not a lot. I mean, a lot of players are coming off the books this next year. Mm-hmm. But like you said, like who – no one wants Tristan Thompson at this point in his career. No. No you, one wants – maybe JR for some three-point shooting. Maybe. That's got to be the right team with the right but situation. But that's 15 – what did you say? 15 million? 15.68 million dollars. That's – that's what the mid-level exception is. That bigger than the mid-level the, exception? The, the mid-level is like nine. Oh, okay. So he's yeah, well, well, above way, way over. It. And I mean, he's thirty-three right now, so he'll be thirty-four by the time that's hidden. Maybe thirty-five by the time that contract ends. And I'm, he kind of he didn't he hasn't looked good in the last couple no, seasons. He hasn't. So I'm real concerned that Cleveland, even if they wanted to get off of some of these dudes. 
just might not be able to. Yeah. So again, what direction are you trying to go? And from this, what it seems like, what it sounds like, they think they can maximize the roster they have, and they're just going to play it out. Which sounds like you're being mediocre, which was my worst case scenario for Cleveland last year, is you try and win games when you really should be looking to rebuild for the future. And you just end up in that really bad draft range. And that's the path they're on. You say they're directionless. I agree, except for you have to have a draft spot, and it sounds like it's going to be a bad one. Oof. Let's hope it gets to the top three for the sake of all the Cleveland fans so they don't go into another 50-year depression. All right, let's stop talking about the Cavs because that's a, that's a depressing situation. They got really sad. Really fast. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that anymore. We went from Cavs to Applebee's. Like, it was just bad. It was all bad. All mediocre. Um, okay, so let's talk about best worst-case scenarios for Western Conference teams like we did last week. You, you covered um, all the Eastern Conference teams, and now I get to talk about all the Western Conference teams. Um, a lot of these, like last week, we'll skim over just real quick, but the other ones will go more in-depth and yeah. kind of um, talk through and unpack what we think is best in worst-case scenarios. Um, I'm really excited for the West. I, I, I was thinking about it on my uh, drive home today, and I was like, I don't think the West is all that interesting this year because of Golden State. I think the East was more interesting because of the potential storylines there. Yeah. The younger teams kind of coming up. But there's a lot of interesting storylines in the West I didn't, like, really consider. It's it's predictable who's going to come out of the West in terms of the NBA championships. But in terms of just, like, where are all these other teams and, like, what are they doing? What are they building for? No, there's a lot of good storylines in there. There's a lot of good storylines here. Okay, let's hop into it. Uh, First up, we got Dallas. This is going to go in alphabetical order in terms of uh, city name. So we got Dallas first. And I have the best case scenario. Luca and Dennis Smith Jr. combined to be a young dynamic duo. They kind of figure it out this year. And in the future, they carry that into next year couple next seasons where um, Luca is averaging he's around 19 points now so he averaging 20-22 points a game yep. um, multiple rebounds, multiple assists and Dennis Smith is just athletic and can figure out a jump shot and spread the floor and space yeah. the floor and then they get younger assets around that as well. Worst case scenario um, neither really takes steps like forward during the season and they next season Dallas is kind of in the same spot they are now. Yeah. Like they have like a top five pick again, which could help them. And they, they probably do need another like lottery type pick. Um, but like they really need those player, those two players specifically to kind of just like find it this season. Yeah. So that next season they can add another young asset, but help build them along the way and hopefully maybe make yeah. the playoffs like as an eight seed. Okay. Denver is the first one we're going to talk about in depth because I I find them very fascinating. Um, Denver, best case scenario, top three team in the West. Um, They have the talent, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, they they have been really fun to watch this year. Um, And I have their worst case scenario as a defensive mess. And they just end up not becoming a competitive team. Kind Um, of like last year. Yeah, kind of like last year. They ended up trying to like play in for a play in spot and losing to Minnesota uh, Minnesota which it has, turns out to be even more of a mess. Um <clears throat> so like what I I don't know I'm I'm kind of interested to hear your thoughts on Denver and like what what you see them as as a top top 3 
do you think they have the top three? I said last last week as one of my week one overreactions is that Denver is better than Houston. Yeah, which doesn't look that crazy. And I mean, I picked Denver to be a top five team in the West at the beginning of the year, so I'm not not super surprised. Obviously, their offense is what is making them famous. It's what's making them known between Jokic, Murray, Jokic has been Harris. so good this year. He has, He's and Harris has been just like on another level. I thought Murray would be the guy to kind of put them put them over the level, but Harris had himself a game against Golden State. Yeah. And he's just been on another level this year. He has been. And he plays defense. The offense is fine. He just doesn't have the ball in his hands quite as much. Yeah. And so he kind of gets forgot about. But, I mean, he's a knockdown shooter. Yeah. So I'm really impressed. Now, one thing that's getting me is, so they're 4-1 at the time of the recording. Um, as a team, they're shooting 29% from three. And their offense is still as good as it is. Like, that's ridiculous for a team to be shooting that poorly. Only Oklahoma City is worse. Yikes. And your offense is still as incredible as it is. Like, that just blows my mind. Because you got to think it's going to get better. Right. Like, with, with all the shooters and talent they have on the offensive end. And like, with Isaiah Thomas coming back yeah. at some point during the season. So, like, right now, the middle of the league is right about 35%. Could you imagine if Denver... Is hitting 6% more. Like, come on. That's ridiculous if Denver can just hit normal league average amounts of three-pointers to go along with everything else they do well. Yeah. You know, if Jokic finds a way to get the ball more in his hands, which sounds crazy because, like, there's so many good players on this roster. If they can figure out a way to really, like, kind of let him be the point guard in a way. Let him run the offense. Like this team is really, really can be really, really special. Um, I don't know if they're quite ready to compete with the Warriors. They beat the Warriors um, maybe a week and a half ago, but the Warriors also didn't play all that well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they play m- later in the season yeah. as. They find their shooting, and Golden State won't have duds of a game. Yeah, you figure out your rotations a little bit more. I was just curious about how much does Jokic get the ball in his hand, and right now his usage rate is right about 25.5%, so it does have some room to realistically go up. Like I know these numbers, we talked about last week, the advanced stats can get right. kind of wild. Right now, like Jaleel Okafor is like the next player behind, <laughs> like, and that's just hilarious to me. So, like... But there is realistic room for Jokic numbers in terms of how much he gets the ball and what he does with it, like to go up. So you're right, like that could be a very real thing. And even these Golden State games, like yeah, they won. Golden State didn't play their best. If you, if you, if like Golden State is taking games off and they're against playoff teams, when it comes time for playoff seeding, like those tiebreakers could matter. Right. Like you know, at the end of the day, like Golden State should be well and above hmm. that. This one game with Denver probably shouldn't matter, but just on the off chance it does, like Denver has to like take that as a confidence booster. And I'm not big on moral victories, but that's got to be kind of like a moral victory. Like yep. it's not just the win; it's an additional perk to it. Yeah. Um. And worst case scenario, I don't know. Defensively, they they kind of they their one loss is to the Lakers right now yeah. as of this recording, and. 
they did kind of let the game get out of hand late there um, with Lance doing Lance Stevenson things and dancing all over the place. And I'm not gonna lie, it's so fun to watch. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's entertaining. And Lonzo Ball cooking. Who was who did he cook? Did he cook Jamal Murray? He might have. Like it was just a setback that like it felt like it took ten years to develop. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, but you know, ball goes in. Ball goes in. Um, so as I think, as long as Paul Millsap is on the floor, um, I think you and I have talked about this off air. Um, but he's kind of one of the defensive centerpieces to this team. In that, like last year, they weren't good because he didn't play for a majority of the season. But when he's on the floor, he's he's actually been like they've been a pretty good defensive team. And as long as they don't just like implode on that end, this team I, I think really could be really really good at the end of the year. And I, I expect them to be. I think that worst-case scenario is pretty grim yeah. for them. But even if they can get into the playoffs, I think that's just such a huge step for this franchise. I mean, they've been they've been bad for a long time. Yeah. Um, and they finally have the players. They picked well and did, did the process right and kind of got back to this point. Okay, moving on to Golden State. I, I, this is one another team we'll talk about in depth here for a little bit because I think – not their best case scenarios as interesting, um, but their worst case scenario is a little interesting because mm-hmm. it frees up um, some possibilities and storylines um, later in the season. So I have the best case scenario. Um, the best case scenario is, of course, they w- win another championship. Um, what is that? Three straight? Three cons- three Pete? Yeah. Or is that no? Four? Well, we c- well no because LeBron won the one with Dell. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Win another chip. Um, and then they re-sign KD, re-sign Clay in the offseason. Worst case scenario, they lose in the finals to Boston or Toronto or maybe in Philadelphia um, or maybe Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah, Milwaukee. I, I would fill up Milwaukee at this point. And, um, and they lose KD and Clay. And they could win another championship and still lose both of those dudes or lose one and keep the other. Yeah, there's a lot that could change for this team. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Boogie comes back and what percentage he comes back mm-hmm. at. But they are firing on all cylinders right now. Like Katie coming out with 41 um, the other night in Madison Square Garden. That's ridiculous. Um, and then Steph the other night with 51. And, and three quarters. And three quarters. And Katie and Clay combining for 49 to round out a 100-point performance between three players. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> oh, good Lord. And, and like... Like, I heard, I was listening to a podcast. Is it ridiculous that Steph Curry could win a third MVP this year? Like, we kind of write him off. And, like, you and I picked, both picked Giannis to win the MVP. Yeah. But he had a 50, he had 11 threes. He has more threes this year than the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's horrendous. <laughs> That's a horrible stat. So, I think part of it's just that, like, we know what we're getting with Golden State. And if. That roster really wanted to just go for it. That's a 70-win team like we know. And I feel like there's kind of like this idea that if they are not fully living up to their potential, then we're not going to give their best player the MVP. Yeah. Like, and that's like a media thing, which, I, okay, I kind of get. But if they win 63 games, do we still not give Steph the best, MVP? Best player on the best team? Is that yeah? That I mean, that's normally who the MVP goes to, right? I mean, not necessarily in the last couple years. In well, theory, Harden, though, Harden yeah. last year, best record. Yeah. 
So part of me is like, obviously Steph's worthy of an MVP. Like, if we're just talking best players, then yeah, LeBron and Katie and Steph all have to be right there in the conversation. But I think whenever people are voting, like the media is voting on this, they're looking for who is elevating their team. Yeah. Like, from a middling team to no longer that. Right. And since Golden State will never be a middling team as long as they have the roster they have, I guess what what do Steph Curry and Kevin Durant do that makes the media go like, yeah, you took this average team and you made them better, which they do have an average team if you really look at it outside of Clay and Draymond too. It's just Andre, Sean Livingston, and then maybe Boogie Cousins, which Boogie Cousins is obviously well above average. But as of right now, he's average since he's just sitting on the bench right. or, get, or getting thrown out of games um, for John <laughs> with the ref. So, yeah, I think that's why he won't get consideration, whereas Giannis or Anthony Davis are taking these teams that probably wouldn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And then they're the lone star on their team, and they're elevating them to a mid-seed team and their respective conferences. Yeah. I think that that goes a long way in the minds of like these average Joe media player or media guys who just like want a good story as much as like a guy who's just like carrying a franchise all by themselves. Right. So my follow-up question to that, of the two, Katie and Clay, who do you think is more likely to leave and do you think they will leave? Katie is probably far more likely to leave yeah. than Clay. And I bet he does. Now, he does have a $31.5 million player option for next year, which he could exercise, I guess. Whereas Clay, he's just up at the end of yeah. this year. There's no options. So he would be looking for a long-term deal. And Clay's 28. Do you like, do you think his dad will have any influence on where he goes? Because he was a Laker. He was. <laughs> I don't think Clay really cares about the money. He just wants to be in the best place. Yeah. And if Steph Curry is like literally his best friend and he can get paid forty million dollars a year to play the next three, four years with his best friend in a place he loves to live, I think he's, he's gonna need thirty five of that million to put up rent in San Francisco yeah, area. <laughs> well, you know, good thing. Uh he's getting paid forty. So yeah, I think Clay will stay. To be honest, just straight up. Yeah. Not even that he's lost, like, just straight up he's going to stay. Whereas, Kevin, you had your run. You did your thing. You he probably won three championships. Yeah, by that point. So, go find somewhere else and keep writing your story just in a completely different way of saving a franchise or elevating a franchise that otherwise... I don't buy it. The Knicks, the, I tweeted when he went for 41, I... I Put the question out there: Is uh, Katie getting comfortable comfortable in the garden? I don't buy yes. this. I don't buy this whole na- narrative that Katie is just going to go to the Knicks just because. Yeah, no, he's not going to go there just because. He's going to go there because he wants to live in New York. He's from the Northeast, and the Knicks. If he resurrects them, he's a savior. He is a basketball god. If he saves the New York Knicks from this really just hellish state they've been in for the last, what, two, three decades? What if that's a kicker? Like, Katie and Kawhi decide to team up in New York. That'd be ridiculous. That, that I would, would, I would be actually fantastic. be really, really interested in that team. No, that, that would be super interesting. Part of me, I don't think it'd be those two that would go there. 
Yeah. But at the same time, if both of them expressed interest in going there, I'm sure New York would obviously make it happen. Yeah. And they, they're the type of team that would, you know, raise everything possible, get everything out of the way possible if they needed to, to make room for two guys. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just an interesting situation because the, there's never been a team like Golden State with four all-stars. And it's just a precarious situation in which one of them is probably going to leave after this season. I mean, KD couldn't end up staying and just, like, waiting for the cap to spike again and, yeah. and getting the most money out of another franchise, which might be the smart move. Just take one-and-ones until he feels comfortable testing the free agent market and getting that last big deal. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think they're interesting. Worst case scenario, the best case scenario is kind of boring because that's the reality we're living in. It, it um, just kind of is what it is. It is what it is. Um, okay. Do you have anything you want to add about Golden State? What if they don't bring back Draymond Green after his expires? Because his expires just like right play does. But it's next year. It's next so year. So he has this year, next year, with no player our options or team options. What if they just don't bring him back? I was I was uh, listening to a podcast that brought up his three point shooting numbers, and they've gotten really bad. Over no, the last he is game. not a good offensive player. Like he's gotten really bad. Like teams don't guard him anymore. And I didn't realize. Like I like uh, when you have three of the best shooters in the league, you got to pick who you're not guarding. Right. And when it comes to Draymond, I was uh, every time I watch a Golden State game, like it's normally Steph or. Uh, Clay or KD taking a shot, and I just thought that was the new norm. But the his numbers are so bad. He's like a twenty five percent three free uh, three point shooter now. Like yeah. not good. Like he was like 36, 38. I'll say he was at, at least around the, the average in, in the year they won seventy three games. Yeah, no, he was an average three point shooter. He couldn't do anything off the balance. It was just all catch and shoot. But now, like, it's just not going in at all. And mm-hmm. you can say, like, oh, it's just the start of the year. It doesn't look good coming out of his hand, He though. had some sh- shoulder injury last year, right? He did. He Yeah, he's had a few different injuries the last few years. And so you wonder if that's starting to catch up with him. And at 28 years old, maybe this is when he starts going downhill a little bit. Super valuable piece, championship-level player, important part of those championship teams, but maybe this is the beginning of the end. Of it feels Draymond like Green. a LeBron team-up is coming in his near future. The Draymond going to the Lakers yeah. to play with LeBron. As long as Lance is gone, that might work, but if Lance Stevenson and Draymond Green got in the same locker room... That that locker room... Please get some hard knocks going NBA oh style, God, though. That would be amazing. I'm all in for that. Okay, going on to moving on to Houston. Um, I think they're kind of interesting because they're not good right now. They are not. Um, they're actually really bad. They got blown out by the Clippers the other night. Montrose Harold had 30 points off the bench for them. And you watch that highlight reel, all of them are at the rim, and no one's within 15 feet of the dude. Not at all. And, like, part of me loved it because Montrez Harold got traded from Houston to the Clippers <laughs> in the Chris Paul trade. Love it. And then he comes back and drops He's been 30. a really solid guy. Quietly solid off the bench for the Clippers the last couple of seasons. Last yeah. few seasons. And what's nice is that they just 
you know, re-signed him to a two-year, $12 million deal. So they're getting him at a great value. That's great value. And I know they have Gortat. They traded for him over the summer. But honestly, Martin Trez Harrell probably should be the starting center for this team. That's, yeah. a, that's a different topic. We're talking about Houston right now. But he was just doing whatever he wanted on the inside of Houston, which I know you got to pick, like, with a team this bad defensively, like, what are you giving up? Okay, you give up shots at the rim. That's fine. They can't be that easy. No, they weren't even like semi. Rotations weren't even. They were so slow. Like players were just standing and looking. Like oh, he's open. Okay. <laughs> like it was a like all of his shots were essentially dunks. They were, yeah, they realistically were, and it's just because Houston doesn't have the athletes they used to have or the camaraderie that they had. I mean, Ariza. Like we kind of talked about it in our first, first one of our first episodes, it it feels like a bigger deal now than than maybe we th- thought even, and and just those defensive rotations, that communication. There's some breakdown on the floor. Like yeah. they're not trusting each other. One of my best, the best case scenario for them I have right now is getting Jimmy buckets, and then you fight like heck to against Golden State and hope that you can catch. Maybe like an injury a, a bad something, a, a tweaked up Steph Curry like you did last year. Because right now you're not even close to Golden State. You're a, not even sure if you're in the playoffs at this point. Yeah, how yeah I'm, not even, I'm not even sure if you're if you're as good as Denver, like I, I said earlier, or maybe not even as good as the Pelicans, who are really good right now and already beat Houston once. And already beat Houston took it to Houston because <laughs> they really did. Anthony Davis is a monster this year. Um, I feel like you need that need to get Jimmy Butler just to get that defensive communication, at least a defensive-minded player, to say, no, I'm going to lock down one of your dudes, and then that's going to cause chaos for everyone else. And then CP3 can kind of be that guy that just kind of, yeah, Play the steals and things like that. You get Harden on one of those bigger guys where he can kind of just use his strength to make, make do. But apparently those talks have stalled, according to all the reporters really around the situation or around the NBA, is that it's kind of just dead. The idea of essentially taking the players they just got, Brandon Knight and uh, Marquise Chris, and packaging four first-round picks wasn't necessarily appealing to... Because Thibodeau is looking to win now. He is. And so, yeah, Marquise Chris doesn't help you win now at all. Brandon Knight still isn't cleared to play, apparently, with his knee injuries. And then the four picks obviously will help you in the future, but not now. And the owner is thinking about selling the team, so he's probably not interested in the future at all. Yeah, you don't. Again, directionless franchise. Yeah. Big mess. So, Houston, if they're not taking that offer, like, I'm not sure what else you Where can does the really help come do. From? If, if it's not Jimmy Butler, like, you got to go find someone else. Yeah. And I. I mean, what stars like that that are what's necessary to help this team are available. They're capped out, too. They are. Like, this year they're at 135, essentially, right now. And next year it goes up to 144 in money they already have guaranteed. So, And that's without Carmelo or Gerald Green or Michael Carter-Williams. Like... They have no options unless someone's willing to accept some of these contracts in a trade. I have no idea what Houston's going to do. Like, they are just stuck with this roster. I mean, like, 
I don't know. I, I guess I, maybe maybe defensively they'll figure it out somewhere at some point in, during the season. But I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. And it's concerning for, as a Houston fan, like, Chris Paul is only getting older. Yeah. James Harden isn't getting any younger either. Nope. Uh, Clint Capella is limited. Like, he's pretty much a rim, rim runner. Um, he's very good at his job, but his job isn't creation and or, like, being able to get a basket on his own. Yeah. And so, like, it's it just feels... And Melo, I don't, I don't know what you get from Melo or what your expectations are, Melo. He didn't fix the defense. No. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the thought process... Like, if you watched any Thunder games last year, he was not a good defender. He was able to hide on some guys, but even when Robertson got hurt, like, they had to change change some of the rotation, defensive rotations up. Like, he has to guard. Like, he actually has to guard people. And, like, same thing this year. He actually has to guard some people. I mean, if you're in the same conference as LeBron James, Kevin Durant, even Anthony Davis, like, he could theoretically in a small ball, he's playing your four. Yeah. And you're, you don't think... It, uh, the Pelicans are going to take advantage of a switch. Exactly, on that. exactly. Like I don't, I don't know where you hide him in the Western Conference, and it proved to be a problem last year. So like Houston's defensive rating as a team without Melo on the floor is 105. That's the exact same as it was last year with Melo on the floor. It's 116. Ooh. Like he just cost you buckets, and you have to kind of just live with that as long as the offense is like counteracting that and like balancing it all out then you say okay but like that's the reality and you knew that would be the reality like there was no hiding him right i this is what's happening is what we all said would happen and houston's kind of acting surprised like we didn't actually think this would come to fruition we didn't think trevor reza was that big of a deal to what turns out he is (laughs) he oh man he should be getting some mvp votes (laughs) yeah no joke um and that's the worst case scenario is a continuation of what it is. Cause that like your middling playoff team. I guess, yeah. I mean, I'll give Harden and Paul enough respect to say like you're in the playoff contention. But as of right now, this doesn't feel or look like a playoff team. It, it's not even a championship caliber team. Definitely but, not. But and that's their goal. I mean, that's obviously their goal. They're convinced they can win a championship with CP3 and Harden. And as of right now, they can't. And th- that window is closing really, really fast. Um, okay, let's move on to the Clippers. Um, so the best case scenario for them right now, they're kind of starless. So the best case scenario is really land a free agent in the offseason, convince someone like Katie or Kawhi to jump ship and say, like, mm-hmm. this franchise has not been good. Uh, save us, please. Yeah. Um, and I, I really think that might pitch might work for someone. And also, we can pay you a max contract. Yeah. Um, that also helps. So, worst case scenario, remain starless in the middle of the NBA. And you're kind of picking in that late lottery um, where you really can't get... Because this team is competitive right now. You have yeah. good players. And maybe that maybe that's... That can help them down the road if they feel like they just want to rebuild. They can scrap. They can trade Lou Williams. They can yeah. trade Montrezl Harold. They can trade Gortat. They can trade all of these pieces that they have. Tobias Harris. There are good pieces that can help a team yeah. win a championship. Yeah, you can get actual assets for pretty much all those guys that you just rattled off. Yeah, I mean those are all solid NBA players. So it, I, I think this worst case scenario is very slim chance. 
And, and with Jerry West in the mix there, he's re- rebuilt teams. Yeah. He helped build the Warriors to what it is now. Yeah. I, I kind of trust that leadership. And Doc Rivers kind of taking a step back from being president of basketball operations. Mm-hmm. I think that's a smart move. He's a really good coach, and, and it, they, it's good they have him locked up for yeah. a little bit longer. But let Lawrence Frank do his job. Right. Who was a former coach. Like, he gets it. Let him do his job, which is running the team now. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we won't spend too much longer on well, the Clippers, but I would, I would like to ask you this question. So, out of both LA teams, who do you think in 10 years will have a championship? I mean, because I know that the Lakers already have LeBron, I'm going to have to go with the Lakers. Because just kind of like what we saw in this past offseason with like Paul George staying in Oklahoma City, like you really can't predict where these stars right. are going. Like to a, to a degree, you can't predict these things. So knowing that LA... Clippers don't have the star, and it's just a hope. I can't bet on that. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess the Lakers because I know they have LeBron. It, it's just so like if you look, go back and look two years ago at the NBA and look at all the movement, like it's crazy, mm-hmm. and the league changes so much. I think I just thought it was an interesting question because LA with LeBron. Maybe his last year is coming up sooner rather than later, and we don't know. It's just kind of an interesting question to think about. Maybe not. But anyway, moving on. Speaking of the Lakers, let's talk about the Lakers. Oh, we're going in alphabetical order, so L.A., L.A.? Yeah, L.A., L.A. Um, best, best case scenario for Los Angeles is LeBron brings uh, Lonzo, Ingram, and Kuz to make a long-term contender. Like, he leaves that championship mindset on these players yeah. who are all – could be a core of a really good long-term solution where LeBron I see more as four years maybe, four more years. This could be his last contract. Yeah. Maybe maybe it is. Um, and worst-case scenario, Lonzo really can't ever shoot. Ingram never develops into anything. He just kind of stays where he's at. And – the locker room just implodes on itself with yeah. all of these big time personalities. Personalities. I don't know. It, I don't know what to think of LA this year. The Lakers, that is. Um, they're kind of a weird team, but also fun. Kind of. I don't. I don't really know. They're what competitive. To, they're fun. They're not trying to win a championship this year. I don't think so. I think they're. Just, they are legitimately just trying to get everyone on that team. Better, yeah. Which is like really weird because a lot of NBA franchises like don't do that. They're either we're going to be the gritty team in the middle that just grinds out every game, or they're going to be the rebuilding team, or you assume you're a championship contender. The Lakers are kind of none of those. They're like we got a bunch of young people and LeBron. We're going to be a teaching year, just like a, like how do you play NBA basketball, and then in the future we're going to be that team it also feels weird because you're essentially punting a year of prime LeBron like you're kind of saying like waving the white flag but maybe they know something about the Warriors like breaking up that we don't because I I feel like uh, the Lakers and LeBron wouldn't be so comfortable with what they're doing this year if they didn't know something about the next two years well I'm sure if they're already thinking 
Kevin Durant probably isn't going to stay, or you just assume that anyway. Well, if he's staying, you can't keep Clay and Draymond. Like, right. maybe you can keep one of them, but just financially, like, that repeater tax bill is just going to be absolutely ridiculous by that time if you do try and keep all of those players. So you assume, okay, only three of the four are there. Hopefully it's not Kevin Durant if you're an L.A. Laker fan. You think you're going to keep getting better with your young players and you're going to get another free agent, like star free agent. I'm sure you're betting on LeBron and whoever else you're bringing in, plus Ingram slash Alonzo, to be there. Like yep. You have to, on some reasonable level, bet on what you have and bet on the fact that you're the Lakers. Because yep. otherwise, they're going to go back to what they were post-Kobe, which was not a very good team. Not competitive. I think the most interesting scenario is getting Kawhi. I think that team, I think LeBron and Kawhi would present some interesting lineup options, especially with Ingram. You could probably fit, like... LeBron at the small ball five and just kind of fill out that roster with like Lonzo, Kawhi, Ingram, Kuz, Kuz, and LeBron. Yeah. And like the that lineup now without Kawhi and you just fill in whoever. Josh Hart. Josh Hart isn't very good defensively, but with Kawhi, I think he could make up a lot of that yeah. for you. And I think it would just be a fun lineup to watch. Um, that would be incredible. It would be incredible. Every position can really shoot and and kind of move the ball really well. I don't know. It's, it, the Lakers are a weird spot, and it feels like a crossroads. It feels like LeBron's last, last hurrah, mm-hmm. and he doesn't seem like past LeBron where he really wants to control who's and who's not on this team. Which is interesting. On on some level, he's just trusting Magic Johnson. Or, at the very least, he's getting on Magic Johnson's good side for a business perspective yeah. long term. That I mean, that could equally be part of it. What if LeBron becomes a part Los Angeles Dodger owner in the next couple of years? <laughs> I'm sure that's very much in the cards. <laughs> um, I could also... I want LeBron... To be one of those guys who gets a team back to Seattle, but that's a whole different conversation. Mm. Let's bring back the Sonics. Yeah, that that'd be fun. Don't leave Oklahoma City, please. <laughs> I don't. I won't have a team anymore. Okay, moving on from the Lakers and their middling whatever. Um, let's talk about Memphis a little bit. I, I, we haven't ever touched on Memphis because I think they're that gritty kind of one of those fills into those categories that you out, just outlined. Was that gritty? We're gonna contend question mark kind of we're gonna fight out wins they're thinking they're going to contend so my best case scenario for Memphis is Mark Gasol gets a, a leg transfer from a 20 year old um, <laughs> because I, like what is this team doing they um, who did they draft again his name name totally Jaron Jackson Jaron Jackson thank you um, out of Michigan State he's he, he looked good in the preseason in summer league but yeah I've liked him I've generally liked him so far I mean again what's your expectations right my, you have Mike Conley and Marcus All on deals Mike Conley mainly is that big deal yeah who he hasn't really played in the last two and a half seasons it feels like it I, mean, I feel like he has last year especially he was hurt yeah but it just doesn't when you watch highlights, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a top-tier point guard. But for some reason, like, this team just isn't putting it together really at all. Yeah, I, I don't understand the Fisdale 
firing last year, that was another one that was kind of a question mark for me. It was, I thought he was a really good coach. Um, but I guess Memphis didn't, and now he's coaching in New York. Um, I don't know. It's just a weird franchise. Like, they're trying to remain competitive because they're in a small market, and they need to sell tickets and jerseys and all that stuff. But at the same time, like, they just don't have anything that's super exciting. And maybe this isn't a be- like a team fun team to talk about. I just feel like we haven't talked about them at all. And I wanted no, to, fair enough. Uh, I guess the worst case scenario on the flip side of that is the young young guys just never develop as stars age out like Gasol. And- I would say you would hope that Jaron Jackson would take over for Gasol. You would hope Kyle Anderson is a competent starting yeah. player in the NBA. He doesn't have to be a star, but he's just a competent player. But I'm looking at what they have under contract going forward. So in the 2019-2020 season, you have Conley still at 32 and a half. Oh, that's Marcus Saul has a player option of 25 and a half. He's not. Ta- he's gonna take it. You I would got, imagine. I would imagine. So yeah, unless he's just really unhappy. Chandler Parsons is a guaranteed 25. Oh my god! And then you have Kyle Anderson at nine million next year. Yeah, he's year. at mid level, right? Yeah, he got the mid level exception. You drafted Jaron Jackson, so he's at just under seven million dollars a year next year. And then Dylan Brooks, Ivan Rab, and Javon Carter all under two million dollars a year each. That's all you have on the books for the 2019-2020 season, and you're already at $104 million, assuming Gasol picks up the option. Yeah. Which I I would pick it up at as 34-year-old Mark Gasol. It's like Melo. Like, of course he's going to pick up. Of course he is. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what you have to build around, really. I mean, unless you're saying Conley and Jackson, but you you don't have anything on this team. You're paying for not... A lot of production. I'm Chandler Parsons is kind of starting to come back, but he's not going to be $25 million a year, Chandler mm-hmm. Parsons. He's a good role player at this point. He, he played in the games he did play, he played well last year. Um, I think his numbers were okay. But again, like, wh- I don't know. It just feels a little directionless at this point. And maybe they. They start tanking and get a couple more top picks because they kind of did get screwed in this last lottery, if I remember right. They had like top three odds and they ended up with like five or six. Uh, no, Jaron Jackson was fourth. Oh, he was fourth. So, okay. I mean, lower than they wanted. It wasn't one of the top three guys. Yeah. Which they were going for. It wasn't Doncic, Aiton, or. Who else was in? Oh, Bagley. Bagley. It wasn't one of those three, which is really what they wanted. Like, Jaron Jackson was the best of what was left. Yeah. Which I can understand your frustration, but, like, that's how it works. Like, yeah. Philly tanked all those years, and somehow, like, they kept getting, like, number two or number three. Eventually, the number ones kind of worked out. But with Ben Simmons, and even Embiid wasn't the number one overall pick. I don't think so. I think he was, like, third. Anyway, like, Sometimes that's just how it goes. Yeah. Like, that's just your reality. And, like, when you tank, you're not guaranteed to get the Especially one after this year. Yeah. The the new lottery rules taking place. Exactly. Um, so, I don't know. Memphis is in a weird spot. Another, another kind of, I think, interesting team because I feel like they're going to end up winning more games than they want to this year. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. 
Memphis is weird. I think uh, they should be tanking, but they should be. They're not, or though, as far as I can tell, they're actually trying to win games. Um, so let's talk about uh, go through quick Minnesota, New Orleans, Oklahoma City, Phoenix. Um, so Minnesota, uh, best fix the crap show that you have going on, like that you created. Uh, you somehow get Jimmy Butler happy. You get Andrew Wiggins playing at an elite level. You get Carl Anthony Towns somehow playing up to his contract, and he has been just so blah this season already. Yeah. I know it's only six games, but like he has not been himself. Um, worst case scenario, you end up having to trade Jimmy Buckets, and Wiggins sucks. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, cherry on top. Uh, which is kind of trending in the direction... Which is unfortunate for this team because I really liked when they went out and got Jimmy Buckets last year. Um, I thought it was going to be a much better team, um, especially if you look at that young core. They beat Golden State when Golden State was trying to win 73 games. They were yeah. one of the last teams to beat Golden State, and it was because of Carl Anthony Towns. It was because of Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. And they haven't really built off that. They haven't done anything with that. And it's just been... Mediocre West team. Yeah. And you would have loved for those young players for them to just be like, okay, we are elite players. Yeah. It's like we're going to take the step. And you're right. They just didn't. Wiggins has all the tools to do it. Carl Anthony Towns has all the tools to do it. Granted, Carl Anthony Towns is still super young. He's under 25, so he has plenty of time. But I don't think Minnesota wants to go through another rebuild. Um, no. And, and I get that. They've been so bad for, what, like 15 years or something like that? Yeah. So, I don't know. They need to figure – Tibbs needs to figure out how to how to not control Jimmy Butler, but get that situation under control so that you're not blowing up your team and probably losing your job. Um, all right. Now moving on to New Orleans. Best case scenario, Anthony Davis wins MVP, and you end up as a top three in the West. Um that team has looked really good this year. Um, I I think I underestimated how good Julius Randle, Miritich, and Davis that combo would or trio would be um, because they've been fantastic. They really are, and you can't put all three of them on the floor at the same time, which I think is part of the concern. Right with them, maybe I mean Drew Holiday is one of your four best players, and then these other three guys. He's been fantastic. He has been. So, like, your four of your best players, only three of them can be on the floor at the same time. Yeah. That's a very literally because of just their positions and what they can do. So that's a little concerning, but they've done so well at staggering and making it work. Yeah, super impressed with New Orleans putting it together. Yeah. Um, Especially with no wings, too, really, to speak of. Um, So Etuan Moore is the best thing you got out there. Yeah. And I mean, he's balling, though. He's balling. Uh, yeah, I think New Orleans is kind of an interesting team. Uh, worst case scenario, Anthony Davis gets hurt for season and forces way out after season. Yeah. So I know that's super grim. It, I don't know. It's in the realm of possibilities. It, 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 it could happen. I, I don't want him to get hurt because he's such a fun and dynamic player to watch and have out on the floor. Um, he's kind of like... Giannis in that sense like yeah. you just want to watch him every night and he's putting up massive numbers like 38 and 15 and dunking all over Jared Allen oh my most improved player <laughs> yeah retire <laughs> oh jeez at least he blocked Blake, uh, Blake Griffin who's kind of aging and you know, yeah I guess I don't know what to do with that um 
Yeah, I don't know. New Orleans has the possibility to re- kind of be a top four seed if the cards land the right way yeah. for them. Um, and especially with Oklahoma City looking a little down, that could be very very much a possibility for yeah. them. Oklahoma City, let's talk about them for a second. Ben, best bench or best case scenario, bench becomes non-issue. So their bench kind of figures it out after Robertson comes yeah. back. Schroeder kind of takes over in his role. Abrines finally sees the floor because he can shoot threes. Which um, this team desperately needs. Grant comes off the bench or Pat Pat comes off Patrick Patterson comes off the bench and just kind of has a nice deep rotation there. Mm-hmm. Right now it's not looking like that. Uh, and Westbrook just kind of take Paul George and Westbrook can mm-hmm. just like stagger and really, really um, help this team win. Um, so worst case scenario, they end up making the playoffs, but just me being middling, not yeah. very good. Um, but they still have two stars. That's the bonus. They have Westbrook and Paul George locked up long term. They do. So even if you do lose out on this season, you can kind of hope that um, those guys just figure it out. Those guys figure it out, and maybe Golden State. It's the Los Angeles Lakers thing of, okay, maybe... Um, Someone else takes a step down, yeah. and therefore we take a step up. Yeah. Maybe Kevin Durant comes back to Oklahoma City. Who knows? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Pump of those breaks. All right. Phoenix, um, I think the best case scenario there is... Um, Booker and Aiden figure it out this season. Kind of just take this time. You're not going to be a playoff team. You've got some pieces. You've got some veterans to kind of, like, help form the winning culture of this team. I like your head coach, Igor Kokoshkov. Yeah. So far putting them in good positions. Um, Booker's been pretty good when he's been healthy. Aiden has been pretty good when, I mean... For the most part. For the most part. Um... So they just kind of take – it's kind of back going back to Dallas when we started this segment. Um, going back to Dallas, just letting your two young guys figure it out, go from there. Worst case scenario, Booker and Aiton can't get it figured out. <laughs> and then you're back to square one where you started this season with a top five pick. And you're kind of wondering what's next yeah. for this team. Well, because it's like, oh, yeah, you forget you have Josh Jackson, too, who you just drafted with the number four pick the year before. And it seems like he's on this team. He plays minutes. But, like, you forget about him because he's already kind of a forgettable player. Yeah, he's not. I mean, like, he's that wing guy that you want. But it's like Trevor Reza. You know, like he kind of, they kind of want, I feel like he could be a Trevor Reza type. And maybe that's part of why they brought Ariza in is just to mentor him as to, much as anything. Right. Um, I think that's a good career path for him. Yeah. I mean, shoot, defend, play, play defense, um, shoot threes consistently. I mean, that's super valuable in the NBA right now. And going forward, it's going to be valuable. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. Um, Phoenix is in a weird spot. Weird spot. Because if your guard and center don't figure it out, what do you do with either one of them? You have one to a long term. You extended. You just, yeah, went ahead and extended Booker. When you didn't have to extend him this early, but you chose to, which I totally get. He's so far the best player that's come to this franchise since the Nash era ended. So I get extending him, but at the same time, 
someone with a bit of an injury history who hasn't helped you win games so far in his career. Right. You paid him $30 million a Even year. in his 70-point game. Against Boston. Against Boston, yeah. you didn't win. No, and that was just no. literally no one else was taking shots, and Boston had a pretty decent lead in that game. Yeah. Where it, it very much did not matter. Um, and Aiden's an interesting pick because centers aren't really that useful in this version of the NBA. Like, there's not, like, a... I mean, maybe you could center Anthony Davis as a center. Maybe. But, like, he's more of a four. But they always play Miritich or Randall beside him. And he played his best whenever they had Boogie Cousins beside him. Yeah. Who those are all either centers or it's a second big man. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I, he's kind of a center. He's kind of a center. I guess Boogie. But we don't know what Boogie's going to be. But even when Boogie was at his best fully healthy, now Sacramento was a crap show, but they weren't doing anything with Boogie. Right. So it's kind of a weird spot to be in, in terms of the players you chose to build your franchise around. Yeah. Um... And maybe maybe Devin Booker turns into Clay Thompson, who super consistent, can play defense, can take guys off dribble. I don't know. I, I just think Phoenix is in a weird spot and kind of put themselves there. Yeah. Um, they they had to be careful not to be what Minnesota was, where they were missing the playoffs for like 14 straight years. That's a very realistic path for this Phoenix franchise if some of these things that they've spent high picks on just never come to what they hope they can be. Right. Okay, um, let's move on to Portland because I think Portland's really fun because like we've talked about in the past on this podcast, Damian Lillard is a dude. Um, Put it like back to, or yeah, two 40-point games uh, going against Miami and Orlando. Yeah. I mean, that that's like he did, he's another one of those dudes who doesn't really get brought up in MVP conversations, but when you put up back-to-back 40-point games, like, I feel like that would put you in the top five at least, right? I think, but it's so weird because, one, they lost to Miami. Like, they lost one of the games. And two, does he elevate a middling team? And the answer is kind of yes. Yeah. But not to the point where... They're like a lock playoff team. They're probably going to make the playoffs, but in my scenario, they don't make the playoffs. And in a lot of people's scenarios, they're a fringe playoff team. Yeah. MVPs aren't on fringe right. playoff teams. Even when Westbrook won it, they were like the sixth seed. The six. I solidly like the six. Solidly the six. Not like had a fight into the playoffs necessarily at the end of the year. So I think that's part of why Dame doesn't get it this year. But in the past you can make a pretty strong claim that he should have got more love in the MVP discussion. Yeah, um, and maybe that's the best best case scenario for them is Dame wins MVP and gets into they find a way to get into the playoffs at a higher seed than the eighth. That's yeah. why I, I think I predicted them to be at like around the eighth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't. I, I don't know. Like they're they're another team that's cap locked. They've they've got some. Bad contracts on the books. Um, Evan Turner. Evan Turner. Um, Myers I think, Leonard. Yeah. 
Um, Damien is, I think he's still a couple yeah, more years into his he contract. He still has through the 2021 season. What's, what's CJ McCollum? Same thing. Same thing? Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm just so confused about what to do with Portland. And as someone who's kind of interested in the whole playing a couch GM. Like, I don't know the pieces that you can get to make this team better, and I don't know what you can move around to make this team better. The problem, like, they don't get free agents. Like, they, it's they, a small market, been. kind of. They are. Like, they're a growing small market, I would say. Like, they're a fun small market. But at the same time, like, you can't say, like, they are a free agent destination. They're a really good free agent destination for role players. Yeah. I'll give them that much, but not for... Big Those stars. big stars, yeah. Like you can't just convince Jimmy Butler to come to Portland right. to play for the Trailblazers. Like you're just not. But that's that seems like the type of dude that you need because you've capped out otherwise, right? And financially capped out, but like hit your ceiling type of capped out also. That's the unfortunate thing. I really think this team could be fun or more fun than it is, and a really competitive team. But they just don't have the role players to elevate the team to anything beyond what when, it is. Yeah, when you rely on role players as much as they are having to, you got to get more out of them. Yeah. And they're just not. Which is understandable. They are role players for a reason. Yeah. And you just kind of hope that they... they are able to give you enough. And another bad thing is that this team really hasn't drafted all that well. No, they haven't. And that, drafting has not been a thing for Portland. I mean, yeah, you make the argument that they drafted Dame. Um, that was a few years ago. But that was that was five years ago at least. Yeah, well, because he's 28, CJ's 27. So that was five and six years ago, respectively. Yeah. <laughs> so I just don't know like what you do with this team in terms of... I don't know. I don't know. It's just a weird spot to be in. It's another West team that's in a weird spot who's trying to compete and think they can compete, but probably shouldn't be competing. No, and that's the thing. They, It's hard to say blow it up, but at the same time, you're not winning a chip. Yeah. So if they if they can justify and say we are okay being a top five team in the West or a top six team in the West every year and that's just our reality – then that's fine. But if your ambitions are more than that, you, you're you not hitting your mark. Right. Um, okay, we're move on to Sacramento, and then we're going to talk about San Antonio um, and Utah to finish it out. So Sacramento, best case scenario, they're the worst team in the NBA. I think that, that should be the best case scenario. They should be trying to lose as many games as possible. Um, and just get take the Philadelphia route get as many one to two to three picks as you can um I think De'Aaron Fox is a nice player you can kind of start building something around I've loved what he's brought to the table so far this year Willie Cully Stein could be a nice bench player role player yeah whatever you find what kind of ever I don't know what to think of Marvin Bagley I didn't love that pick to begin with um especially with Luka Doncic there um I don't know why they didn't pick him um because who knew he could be really good at basketball? Yeah, I know. Um, and so I I just don't know. I think Bagley could be another nice role player. Again, role player, but you're drafting him second overall. I guess that all goes back to your opinion of Marvin Bagley. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think he'll be more than a role player, but I don't think he'll be the first 
or second best player on a championship team, which if you're drafted at number two in a deep draft, and you have the possibility of drafting a guy who could be the first or second best player on a championship team, I don't get why you don't do it. <laughs> that's a, that's what I'm saying. Like, what what is Marvin Bagley ceiling to you? Probably. Is it somewhere four, between four All Star games and because he puts up ridiculous numbers and. He could lead the Kings to a playoff appearance. Is it, is it better or worse than Draymond Green? <sighs> if Draymond was just on the Kings, like the exact same scenario, never was a part of the Warriors, then I guess uh, they're probably about... Bagley probably has the potential to be a little bit better than Draymond. But, so, but here's the thing: like Draymond, Draymond's not Draymond unless he's on the Warriors. Right. I think that's the biggest point: is like he never becomes what he is if he's on Sacramento or just about any other NBA franchise. But it's another. My, I guess my biggest hangup with his game right now is. So what does he play? Three or four? Marvin Bagley's definitely a four. So more, more of a four-five tweener. So three-four. You play him at the four-five. Okay, so let's say you play him at the four. In terms of spacing, you need him to shoot at least, be able to stretch the floor a little bit. And at this point, he really does it. Does not do that. I mean, he has the potential to. He's shown that he has a decent mid-range game. But until he actually does start pushing it out to three-point range, you can't say you buy it. Right. And so, I I don't know. It's just a weird... This I didn't like that pick. And they, they mailed it in like a week before. They were like, oh, yeah, if... If the Phoenix picks eight and we're going to take Bagley because he was one of the few guys that wanted to be in Sacramento. And I get it. There's a few guys who want to go to Sacramento because they've been so bad. But I just didn't love that pick. And maybe they can find another piece to go along with Bagley and Fox in this next draft. But as of right now, we kind of think it's going to be a thin draft. Yeah. I mean, they better just get the small forward either whether that's Cam Reddish or Nasir Little because it seems like that's what this team's missing is like that dynamic wing so yeah but again you gotta be in position to where you're not having to overdraft those guys but that you don't fall too far out of position to not get one of those guys they're in a really tricky spot because they should have a clear path for a rebuild because they've been doing it for so long yeah. but they still don't right um Okay, we've talked about Sacramento too much. Uh, the worst case scenario is that they win more than they want. Somehow, they accidentally play. They accidentally win against the Suns too many times. The Warriors take too many games off against the Kings. Yeah, exactly. Like that. And, and, and they end up getting a higher pick than they want. Um, okay, let's talk about San, San Antonio, and then I'll touch on Utah to end this segment. Um, so, best case, DeMar in L.A., um, Marcus Aldridge, recruit a free agent in the offseason. Um, I feel like... That's very ambitious. I f- Bear with me on this one. Well, Marcus Aldridge chose to come to San-, San Antonio. True. Granted, there was Kawhi there. There was Tim Duncan there at the time. There was Tony Parker. There was Mona Ginobili. Don't have any of that now. But you still have Greg Popovich, maybe the greatest coach of all time. One of the greatest coaches of all time. 
I feel like you can convince at least one player. I feel like that player could be Chris Middleton. He's the perfect type of player to go to the Spurs. Like, he's in a small market right now. I know Milwaukee's going to be super aggressive after him, but he is kind of that wing that they need right now to kind of fill out this roster and fill that Rudy Gay spot. Even though Rudy Gay has been playing very well this season, um, I think that would be kind of an interesting fit for them. And it would kind of take away from Milwaukee in an interesting way because he's been... Chris Middleton has been another fantastic player this year. He's benefited from the... um, um, system that's been put in there. I'm not going to put Boonholzer, yeah, yeah. Boonholzer system. Um, so, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of an interesting. DeMar has been playing fantastic. He he had almost a 30-point triple-double the other, other night. Yes, yeah, two, two assists shy. Um, they beat Los Angeles on Rondo's whatever play that was. That Just not layup, kick out. Goof, whatever that was. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge is still a really solid player. Fits that system really well. Um, and if they can kind of get those guards back that got hurt early on in the season. Yeah. The, they could be something in the future, and their rebuild could be kind of short. Even though they're not rebuilding technically, you still need a superstar, and I don't think they have that in Demar or Lamarcus Aldridge. It feels like they have like two of the three: Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. Not on that level. Don't Obviously. say. Don't say. Don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing. Pull quote. <laughs> three Hall of Famers to Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge. Um. I just think they have some of the like a shooting guard, a good shooting guard, a good big man, and a good ball handler, a, a dude who plays with the ball in his hands. Right. Yeah, I get the idea. I'm just curious because I got on the Chris Middleton rabbit hole. His player option next year is thirteen million dollars. <laughs> he is not a thirteen million dollar no. per year player. He's twenty twenty five million with how the cap is going. He's a twenty twenty five million dollar player. Who? What? Who'd you bring up earlier? Didn't you say like Tristan Thompson's getting what twenty five million? Uh, I don't think quite that much. I think he's just a tick under twenty million though. If if Tristan Thompson can get twenty million dollars in this uh, market, Chris Middleton can get twenty five easy. Yeah, and he should. And San Antonio would have to move some things around to make that work. But, I mean, they could do it if they really wanted to. They felt like they had a legit chance at getting him or kind of had that verbal commitment but had to make some things move first. I mean, it's an interesting possibility. I think Milwaukee's going to make a really, really strong push to keep him because he's been so vital to their early on success. And there's no reason not to try to push and build that. We'll have enough cap space to make a pretty decent push. Middleton and Giannis is a good good combo to build on. And real quick, before you move on to the worst case, again, I got to shout out DeMar too. One, because... Shout out Kyle Allison, uh, one of our Twitter <laughs> followers. But also, like, this dude could have just been mad. Like, Revenge ups- like upset and not come out and done his best, not come out in the best shape. And just been like, I went from USC to Toronto, two major markets. Like, I know Toronto is not necessarily viewed that way by the general public, but Toronto is a major market. They have a whole country behind them. They do. And now you're down in San Antonio, and you're having to replace greatness. Yeah. He could have just mailed it in, to be honest, and just let this contract play out this year, play out next year, and then opted out of the last year because it's a player option. He hasn't done that. 
like he's really come out like you're saying this revenge tour like looking to prove that he is worthwhile and that kind of the whole Toronto thing wasn't his fault I don't I never blamed it on him I, I think he was kind of a sneaky MVP candidate last year no one wants to admit that but he, I mean like fringe like four or five um, top five MVP but he was really good last year and I don't think he got the credit why Toronto was successful. It seemed like all of it went to Kyle Lowry for some reason. Like, I get it. Kyle Lowry's a really good player. Um, I just feel like DeMar was that reason the team was the number one seed in the East. Yeah. Um, I don't see Kyle Lowry really carrying a team to a number one seed in either conference anytime soon. Because, one, he's aging, and two... I don't know. He's just not that type of player, I don't think. No, I don't Um, think so. Anyway, yeah, I think DeMar's been fantastic this year. And I, I, I actually really like the trade for San Antonio. I said that a couple podcasts ago. I think DeMar's a really good fit for them and that system that yeah. they're trying to run. A rare win-win with a superstar moving teams. Right. Um, and they kind of got a nice piece in Jakob Pertl there. Um, we'll see what he turns into. But yeah. San Antonio must have been specific in why they wanted him. Um, worst case for them, DeMar and L.A. don't mesh really, end up meshing really mm-hmm. all that well. I I mean, this kind of, I don't know, might be a thing in the past now because they are winning games. but um, And then don't get help in free agency or draft. Um, because this team is, it could be much better than it is. It's a good team right now, but in the West. What is a good team? What is like, a good team? Right? What it, or what is like... Just having like a good roster worth if it's not either producing very high end results or putting your team in position but to build towards Maybe the they again think that Golden State's gonna break up in the next couple of years and can take advantage of yeah. reclaiming to the top. Just of the keep West it again. together and then once you have the chance, pounce on the opportunity. Right. Which I get that. That seems like a very San Antonio thing to do. Right. Um so that's all for them. And then Utah, best case scenario for them, continuous top three team in West. Like, they have the roster to do yeah. it. They they have the pieces to do it. Um, worst, case, worst case, Rudy Gobert gets hurt again, and they kind of just don't work out defensively, and they, they present the problems they had last year. Not good defensively, yeah. not particularly great offensively. Donovan Mitchell is kind of by himself. Um... I don't know. I and, I and then you like your record just doesn't quite reflect. Right. And then you end up in a bad playoff seed. And then and you get bounced bad in matchup. the first. Yeah, you get bounced. Like you pull Los Angeles. You don't necessarily want to pull Los Angeles in the first round because of LeBron. And nor, I feel confident in him winning at least one round. Yeah. And so like while you might be talent-wise like a top three, four team in the West, you end up losing in the first round and kind, kind of like, like regressing, I yeah. guess, in a way. Yeah. I get that. I totally get that. Um, so... That's what I got from best worst case scenario. I took a long time to talk about that. That's fine. Again, the West, a lot of good players. A lot of, a lot good, of good players. Teams. There was a, a big migration to the West from the East. So it's kind of like in this arms race, these West teams trying to compete with Golden State and keep up with them. Um, and that, that created a lot of interesting narratives for this year and beyond. What's your game of the week, Matt? Let's talk about that and then wrap this thing up. So actually, just talking about Utah. So I have Utah at Denver on November 3rd, 8 p.m. Central Time. So just two teams we think are both really good. Maybe because that, that'll be almost a week away. 
a little more time for these teams to kind of get it together, see what they have, develop a rhythm. Um, since it's at Denver, because I think this is a super close game, I put I picked Denver to win 119-115 at home over the Jazz. So it feels like a more talked about thing in other sports like baseball and football, but I feel like the altitude does affect some games. I mean, it does. In Denver, but, like, the Jazz play in altitude, some altitude as well. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of an Probably interesting Probably won't matchup. be as big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a fun matchup. Is that being televised anywhere? Do you know if this um, did I'm, say? I don't think it's been announced yet. Oh, okay. It is. I hope it is. But uh, as right now, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's kind of a perfect time, 8 p.m. Central, to get a good, get a good um, later game or primetime game in. Um, my pick is Pelicans at Warriors. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. The, it was a playoff re- rematch of last year. Um, it's on Halloween, so if you're not doing anything on Halloween, like I am, I'm going to be watching this game. Uh, hopefully, I, I don't... It, it, see some monstrous dunks from Anthony Davis. Oh, buddy. I'm, I'm excited to see how this new look newfound confidence in the Pelicans within themselves, how they match up against the, the Warriors early yeah. on this season. Um, I still have the Warriors winning 122 to 115. Um, I think it's kind of close. Uh, uh, I think Anthony Davis has a monster game, and Steph Curry and KD probably combined for like 75 points or something like that, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it would be. Uh, anyway... That's that's our game of the week. Matt, do you have anything you want to say before we get out of here? No, I'm just I'm hoping everyone starts staying healthy. Uh, I'm it's you kind of get to this point and you wonder like who's going to start getting hurt. Right. We just had Lou get fired, so what other coaches are going to start coming up? You got someone's going to get hurt, like some major player or something or some really important player maybe is going to start getting hurt more and more. So. I hope that doesn't happen, but it, something just in my gut feels like this could be coming soon. Like that next big thing or right. next impactful move is about to happen. Yeah, the NBA season is just getting started, and it's such a long, long drudge of a season. But it's a lot of fun to watch. It's, I don't, I've never played an NBA game, so I can't <laughs> say about playing. But it's been a blast. Uh, been a blast watching so far. Um, and we're both Boston Red Sox fans, and they just won the World Series, so how oh, about yeah. that? That was so hard to keep in. <laughs> <laughs> go, go Red Sox. Uh, and that's it for this week for us, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. Um, we would really appreciate a follow and um, interact with us there. Tweet at us. Give us your hot takes. We'll, we'll reply, probably, at some point. Um... Uh, remember to follow us on uh, Sound or SoundCloud, iTunes, subscribe, give us a review, all that good stuff, um, and we'll see you back next week for our next podcast.